Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. I'm Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsUse.com, and I'm here in the New York studio today with Amy Oztan, SelfishMom.com. Hello. And Nancy Friedman, my Kids Use co-founder and also from HipToHousewife.com. Hello. Hi, um, Andrea is out. Andrea's always out. Andrea yeah. like has this like fabulous life where she just can't be bothered showing up in a studio <laughs> anymore. Um, Andrea will Works be back me. next I week. I to sub in. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy and Andrea, we have two blonde people We're, who just I'm switch. I'm like a perma slut. Yeah, so. no, you're both like the Farrah Fawcett of the Charlie's <laughs> Angels, basically. Um so today we're going to tackle three topics, and we're going to talk about, it's all kind of etiquette-based. We're going to talk about etiquette with tech devices and on social media as it relates to our children interacting with each other or not. Then we're going to talk about um, when bad things happen and how we share them online and how we grieve online. And then we're going to jump right into our Bites of the Week. So let's jump into our first topic, which Amy, why don't you discuss? Amy, this was brought to our attention by Amy, whose yes. daughter went to a sleepover this week. And what happened, Amy? Well, my daughter, she's 11, and all of the other girls at the party, about the same age, 10 or 11. And my daughter brought her, her funny little flip phone, um, her dumb phone, in case she needed to contact me for some reason. And the birthday girl does not have a phone. But other than my daughter and the birthday girl, all of the other girls had smartphones with them. And the birthday girl's mom texted me in exasperation during the party saying, your daughter and my daughter are trying to get a game of Uno going and the other girls won't get off of Snapchat. And our daughters are getting really aggravated. And she said, should I have confiscated the other girls' phones on their way in? And I'm kind of thinking, like, is that okay? Yes. L- yeah. <laughs> Rebecca immediately <laughs> says yes. At that age. At that I age, I actually yeah. think that's what's, I think what's so interesting about your story is that they're in fifth grade, and I think there's a big dividing line in fifth and sixth grade between kids who have a smartphone or any phone at all and kids who have a dumb phone or no phone. Yeah. Because I think there's, that's the age where some parents are getting their kids' phones, like 10, 11, and some aren't, particularly in New York City. Middle school is a big one because your kid might be traveling to and from school by themselves, but fifth grade is still on the fence. Yeah. And certainly a lot of kids get a dumb phone, get a flip phone as their first phone and not Do a they? smartphone. Yeah. My, it's yeah. very hard to find those anymore. We had my, to pay. Yeah, I, I could have gotten so them a free iPhone, or we had to we paid eighty dollars to get them a stupid See, Samsung. I don't, th- I don't think most people do it. I think they just don't get them a phone, or they give them their old phone. They so hand it I down. don't think there's that many flip phones out there for anybody, except for like old people, because they make those special ones for them. <laughs> yeah, my mom, my daughter basically has the same phone that my mom does. Right. right. <laughs> we did it the first year. We gave our daughters a dumb phone because I feel like I've talked about this before on the podcast, but we wanted to make sure they were responsible enough for a phone that yeah, first year, right. and I didn't want them to be a target for getting mugged. Like, that was kind of also another thing, because they're walking on the streets of New York. They wanted to make sure they were, like, putting their phone away, like, yeah. not taking it out, you know, whatever and it was. nobody's going to steal your dumb phone. Right. But that stupid phone cost us $80, whereas the iPhone, like, at the time, like, the iPhone 4S or whatever would have been free. Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, but we, the data's we paid $100 for a refurbished flip phone from Verizon, but then it only cost $10 a month to just add it to our plan. Uh. Like you said, it doesn't take any data money, so right. it pays itself back very, very quickly. And it can actually get online, even without the data. Like it, You can go online and Google stuff and go to simple sites, but it, it's no fun. So 
Um, when my daughters had a sleepover party at that age, like fifth grade, it was the same thing. We had a couple kids, and it was really only a couple out of the eight who had their phones with, who had a smartphone with them. Um, my daughters had their iPod touches, whatever, and I will say the two girls who had their phones with them did had them out. Part of it was showing off because it was mm-hmm. like a new fancy thing to show off. Um, part of it was to Instagram or take tons of pictures and whatever. And I did. I took them. <laughs> I could see taking them just just for the pictures alone. You know, like right. we want to know that you are not sending pictures from this sleepover. Right. You don't want to be the first one to fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to be the parent who gets in trouble from the girl, you know, whose underwear was shown online at two in the morning. Right. Or we hear the opposite, right? The kids who weren't invited, who now know about it and are jealous or upset because they're seeing the kids posting online. Right. Both things happen because of the smartphone. But then I I think you need to set up your expectation at the beginning. I think you need to, when the girls walk in the door, say, hi, everybody, here's a basket. Let's everyone put our phones in here. And then you can't. The truth is, it's there. And it's in their life, and they are taking pictures of a lot of things. So I think then you have moments. Okay, picture time. Everyone take out the phone. Let's all take pictures. Right. Okay, back in the basket. They're little enough that you can still sort of do that. But I think that it's also, it, like, she kind of missed it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. she didn't set it up that way. And then to then go in there and say, off your phones, it would just be resentment. It would make her daughter look bad. It would, it, it's just. You also have to tell the parents. Yeah, but that's Because if parents are texting their kids and they're right. not getting a response, they're going to freak out. I would actually put it in the invitation. Yes. You know, please note this is what's going to happen. And the thing is, my daughter had had her sleepover the week before, and um, there was a small overlap in who was there. There were no smartphones out during our party. That, you that know I of. saw. Maybe that's also because you had planned not to put down mother down, but you had planned a ton of activities for those girls. Like when you talked about it last week, like you said, there were cupcake decorating. Took them. They were like doing that for an hour. Right. You know, it's right. harder to get a game of Uno going. Right. I will say that, and when you have smart, fancy phone that yeah. looks fun in Snapchat, and then. But that. I also think that the definition of what playing together is has changed yeah. and some that that they were together they were snapchatting each other they were sending it they were looking at it together so like it's not necessarily a bad thing that they were on their phones unless they were sitting there in this little like cocoon but, but not for the two girls who didn't have phones yeah that's right. the problem that's the problem yeah then you get into a whole you know exclusionary fifth grade nightmare uh now I'm just remembering middle school it would have been <laughs> a nightmare if you added the internet but I do think that's an important thing is what, like when it's, you have to say it in the invite, like you were saying, like this is going to be a no phone party. You can leave your phone at home if your child needs their phone for whatever reason. Like there's going to be in a basket. Like here's our landline if you have one at home. <laughs> like here's my cell. Text me. I will get a message to your child. Like, mm-hmm. but this is how we're doing it because we find the girls. We'll just have more fun and react to each other, and, yeah. and we don't want any social media drama. I actually think most parents would respect that. Yeah. And be kind of happy about it because everyone has that little bit of fear about their kids having their smartphones for the first time. And the parents were like, no, my child has the phone on them all the time so I can text them all night long. Um, (laughs) Then they don't come. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you can't give it up that your child can go to a sleepover for one night and you can't text them all night going, how's it going? Are you having fun? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a different issue. (laughs) They need an intervention than the parents. That reminds me, I'll never forget it. In kindergarten, this girl came up to me and said one of the girls who was invited to my daughter's American Girl party 
and um, she came up to oh, me. Oh, your daughter's said, kindergarten, not yeah, your kindergarten. I thought you were going way back. No, that would be like 1912. <laughs> um, she said, she said, my mom told me that if the other girls are mean to me, I should come right to you. And I thought, wow, that mother just set her daughter up wow. to like expect everyone to be mean to her all the time. Aww. And I felt bad, but it's sort of like that, like the mother who's constantly, you're like, right. you're setting your kid up. If you're constantly texting them, how's it going? Is everything okay? Is everyone being nice to you? Like, it's as if you're expecting that not to happen. It's hard to let go. Yeah. Right. But you got to let go. If they are not coming to you with a problem, then they're fine. Right. I, I do that with my son, I will admit, when he's traveling new places alone. Like well, that's different. Like I, yeah, but then, you know, three texts later, I'll get the all caps, I'm fine, Mom. <laughs> I will text you when I get there. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah, I'm like, well, you've never taken the subway to this particular place right. But I also think that's a problem that kind of traveling somewhere alone that that's com- very specific to people who live in big cities with a lot of public transportation yeah. <laughs> for most parents they're still taking their kids everywhere so their concerns are more about social things and i think you need to give your kids that leeway to manage it and they need to be able to manage it without their phones so back to the slumber party if they are unable to socialize at a party without a phone that's a problem too i actually yeah. think what's funny about it is because my daughter's had their bar mitzvah this weekend yeah, um man, the kids really didn't have their phones out nobody and they did not and i actually think fifth grade and sixth grade they're way more into it because it's new right and uh. i think that starts to fade and they start to have a really just they start to socialize again and have a lot of fun together again and i didn't even take out my phone the whole time like you start to realize that like it's not and once everybody so shi- has yeah one. once everyone has an, and you've done it all like they've done that so many times it's not so shiny and new and, and exciting anymore they'd rather just shove all their stuff in a corner right and eat stuff their faces and be able to eat and dance and have well, fun it's right. the same for me as an adult when i go to an event where they tell me beforehand that there's going to be a professional photographer and the photographer will send me the pictures and I can use them however I want, I put my phone away. It's such a relief to not be responsible for recording the fun so that I can report on it later. So I guess I think that's part of it is the age. But I would definitely suggest the basket at the door, the, like, birthday basket. (laughs) Make it that way. Tell parents ahead of time and you're done. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about grieving and general online medical (laughs) medical emergency public stuff online. It'll be happy. (laughs) Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Hey, we're back, and we are going to dive into topic two, which is all about both sort of when medical emergencies happen or illness in your family happens, and your first instinct is to post it online on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, um, which I think is, I would say, not a recent phenomenon. I think it's been almost with the birth of Facebook was this birth of like this sort of public grieving or asking for prayers or whatever it is, this airing of medical stuff. Um, but also tied into Scott Simon's new book, Unforgettable, A Son, A Mother, and The Lessons of a Lifetime, which came out of him publicly live tweeting the last two weeks of his mother's life, I think in hospice, Yes, um, as she was dying. And it got tons of both pushback and people thinking it was the worst thing you could ever do and people really appreciating it and how honest it was and people finding it sort of refreshing or helping for them or whatever it was an insight into things people don't normally talk about which I actually think was probably people who are older who are Hmm. saying that because I think for those of us who have been on Facebook a long time or live a lot of our life on Facebook and Twitter we've seen that for quite a while 
Well, I think a little background of people who don't know that Scott Simon is the host of NPR's Weekend Edition. So he automatically has a big audience. Yes. So when he was... An old audience, too. And <laughs> an older, older audience. audience. <laughs> but an audience, since they are probably demographically older, can really relate to what he was going yeah. through. So I think that it was... Um, it was an interesting choice for someone. It wasn't like an author who, it wasn't like some guy who was tweeting about it and then decided to write a book about the experience. He was already had a rather large degree of celebrity in certain circles and um, and chose to to share this very intimate thing with the public. So a lot of people thought that was very courageous. A lot of people thought it was intrusive to his mother because she didn't really have a say. But I think, I think the overwhelming response was that... Um, it, that it was a service to other people to like realize they were going to go through it too. Like his audience was going to go through it. That's their demographic. It's right. the age they're heading there. So, and then and then the book is a combination. It's not just about the social media. But he's sort of a celebrity person that did it. But a lot of people do. And I always find myself wondering if, God forbid, it was my personal tragedy, would my first instinct to be to go publish it on Facebook? And I think that. I think no, <laughs> but I also think that I'm not a religious person, and I think if I believed that prayer was going to help my loved one in some way, if there was an accident or an illness, that absolutely, why not? Get it where you can get it. So I think a lot of the, you know, my father's in the hospital or something happened to my child, a lot of that is please send your prayers. And that, it, I, don't, I don't do that, but I, I certainly think if you have that kind of belief, it makes perfect sense. Please send your prayers and, you know, basic updates I I feel like that's fine you know I feel like that's there, there's no question that I mean you want to let people know you want to let people know maybe why they shouldn't you know talk to you about nice happy things for a while you just want that you want to spread the word but then there's it, it crosses the line sometimes into like this really really intimate stuff that makes me uncomfortable it's like do you really want to broadcast this everywhere. I, I can't watch it. And the funny thing is, um, I had assumed that since I'm online so much, if anything bad ever happened to me, I would immediately put it on Facebook or whatever. And about three years ago, when a really good friend's husband died suddenly, I couldn't go online for about three days. Yeah. Like, forget about talking about what had happened to her. I didn't want to see people talking about what they were having for lunch and what their kids were doing. I could, I, I just stayed off of all social media for like three solid days and then got back on slowly. So I feel like I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. Right. For me, it's an issue of consent. Right. And I think that's what Scott Simon's thing is about. I think um, it was very interesting to see what Sheryl Sandberg did, which was nothing. Yes. nothing. Yeah. She issued a public statement and that is it. Yeah. And I think that, um, when when you lose someone you love right that does become your story i think that that is um that sort of like reaching out feeling comfort and people supporting you feeling like i totally get that i think watching someone be ill and dying and telling their story is a little different like i understand mourning the loss online i totally get that and i totally get where that comes from there is something to me about the other person being unable to give their consent. Yeah, and you giving a play-by-play of exactly what's happening. But to that them. is what Scott Simon did, and it is what Scott Simon did. And I, I have to say, what he did made me really uncomfortable because, and and I get where he was coming from because I think there's a movement now in this country to try to 
humanize death more and give people more control over the way they die and and sort of pushing against this idea of just continually extending life and why and about quality versus quantity which is a really really important discussion and sometimes what Scott Simon did and other people we've known who's maybe their parents are in hospice or sort of tweeting or sharing about maybe a more dignified death like watching someone go away but on their own terms where it's not this continual extension um but i i would never i would never ever ever share um what has happened to people in my family online who had no consent over it and i do think about times in my life where something has happened to someone like that and i think about the people who would have (laughs) Because I right. know what they shared otherwise without social media. And it was still really public and really. And on the other hand, I remember the amount of people calling, uh-huh. continually asking for updates and how intrusive that was on the family and everyone wanting updates and that you couldn't, didn't have a way other than like a mass email to tell everyone or had to set up like someone else to do an email chain. And so maybe some of it is just like if you post on fa- social media, you don't have to deal with any of that. Like, here's my update. And now the rest of my family doesn't have to be burdened by phone calls and people asking what's going on. And I also I think know. that some people who don't have a, I think that the the misperception out there of people who are not particularly involved in social media and participating in social media is that it's very impersonal. But the truth is for a lot of people, social media is their support system. It's how they feel validated. It's how they know there are people out there paying attention to them um, or listening to them or caring about them. Like. Everybody on their birthday gets a million like, happy birthday, happy birthday, because it pops up on everybody's Facebook. And there is something very nice about hearing from people you haven't heard from except last year on your birthday. <laughs> it's just <laughs> nice to know that they took the 30 seconds. And I think if it's something more serious where you're really feeling alone and you need the support, that 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 does become your story. Well, right. but I think it's, it's so easy to, to kind of tell the posts that are informational and looking for support and the ones that just go so far into the navel-gazing aspect of social media that you just want them to just just go be private with your grief. You know, just let this person have a little peace. But a Especially with pictures. I'm like, don't yeah. post oh, pictures without pictures? someone's consent. Lots oh. of pictures. Well, a, f- a, a friend um, just yesterday or the day before, her son got into a car accident. He ran right. into the street and got hit by a car and... She He's fine. Is He's fine. totally fine. Totally fine. And and we know that because she just posted very simple updates. You know, he got hit by a car. This is what's happening. She didn't give details. She didn't show pictures. She didn't, you know, detail his medical treatment. Maybe she did did to a smaller list of close family. Right. That's right. when you want to make that. Know. Yeah, that's when you want to use those different lists but on Facebook. That's a very good example because she also put up a video of him saying thank you everybody for all your kind words and your kind thoughts and for praying for me right. and I, I really appreciate it and it was like the cutest thing ever it, she's so pretty it much the something. textbook example of how to handle yes. right. something like that yes because honestly because I was so offline all weekend when I came back and Nancy's like oh my god did you see and I was so glad to know I know that sounds weird yeah. but like I care about her and I care about right. her kids and I'm I like would never want to have like seen her and not known right. and like said something and yeah and I think when and then you could tell her, her kid was fine with it because he made that video and it probably made him sound he felt wonderful probably that all these people cared yeah. um, because which can be a really nice thought but I think there's a lot of consent in there right built in mm-hmm. um, and I think and vagueness yes yes and um, and also like lessons that could be shared with your kid you know of what happened and whatever like there was it's sort of a different thing than um, I have to say in particular I can't I can't deal with people's dying pets I can't <laughs> oh. I can't 
I'm sorry, well, I'm a total bitch, but I, I can't see like 6,000 updates about someone's dying cat. Okay, wait, what about, what about when my cat died a few years ago and I made it funny? Did that, no, that's did fine. that help? Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Because I couldn't not tweet about it. I could not just be silent about it when my cat was dying, and I know that I'm going to get like hate mail for this, but it's a cat. And I have <laughs> I have friends. Our first who, hate mail. Yeah, I have friends <laughs> who would be like, no, 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 this is a member of my family. No, it, I have members of my family. This right. was my cat. So I was sad, but she was 17. So, you know, I just kind of gave a play-by-play and tried to make it a little light and interesting. And uh, it wasn't, like, grief-stricken. So yeah. I'm fine, like, fine when people right. post that their pet died. Like, I totally feel for them. I totally feel I'm fine with that. It's the, it's the like, months-long, like, oh. detailing the treatment going on for the, like, pet who's also now incontinent and whatever I'm like yeah. oh my god I just feel so bad for the pet I'm like put the pet down yeah. give him some dignity please send hate mail to let's give <laughs> somebody else's address CBS you can tweet us at your hate mail because we don't have our avatar or whatever our Twitter handle <laughs> send it to the regular parenting bites um, but yeah I don't know I think I guess to each their own you know what I mean like and I guess I don't know let us know what you think if you've if you've found comfort from it if you feel like when you've been sick it's helped or or if you've done it and then gotten tons of pushback from the person you did it about who you and I would just like to point out since I did not say anything during the pet segment that this is Nancy who did not (laughs) people about tweeting about their beloved when Nancy's dog dies I will help build the Facebook memorial because that would be very sad it's our office mate I'm sad for them I just don't need a play by play we we love pets (laughs) it's about social media just they don't love them as much as I do okay well your dog is adorable All right, we're going to take another short break, and we'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. All right, we're back with our Bites of the Week, and Nancy's is all about pet food. And <laughs> and the wonderful things you can do for your pet. No, we're, and Amy, are you ready to start? We're going to start with Amy. Yeah, I can start. So um, last week, we talked a lot about the dad bod. And um, we weren't the only ones talking about the dad bod. It was everywhere. And there were some really fantastic responses about the dad bod. And two of my favorites, um, I'll post links to both of them on Facebook. One of them was Kristen Schaal on The Daily Show. She did a video segment with John, with John Stewart that was hilarious. I mean, she got him to twerk in this, in this <laughs> segment. And so that that was really, really fabulous. You have to watch that segment. Does he have a dad bod? Um, she was saying that he did. I don't really see I it. I feel like no one on TV really has a dad bod uh, in that position. And then, unless they're like, like what's his name? Kevin James. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like, well, we've talked about Louis that, C.K. especially for women. Like, you have to be fit or you have to be really fat. You right. know, the dad bod is like the in-between. Um, and then the other response that I really loved... Um, it's uh, it's by a guy named Brent Almond, and um, he is a gay bear, and I, I'm not talking about a furry homosexual animal. I'm talking about a furry homosexual human, and he talks about the difference um, between having acceptance of different body types and just letting yourself go. <laughs> you know, like like being a bear, he thinks is like, you're still taking care of yourself. You know, you're just not the ripped, muscly guy, but you, you haven't given up. 
the dad bod, you've you've kind of just given up, and here's how to avoid that. So I'll post a link to it. It's hilarious, and it has visuals. Right, so <laughs> dad this, bod visuals. It's a dad is... bod calendar. I had none, and now I have to say this. This is now going to be my pick of the week. It's a word that I learned this week, and it follows directly <laughs> from Amy's bear because I heard a new word which is lumbersexual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome word. I know some friends who are really right. into lumbersexuals. Because well, Amy lives in Brooklyn, so you know there's a lot of lumbersexuals. <laughs> a lot you of homes. You lot can of imagine what Ground it is. Zero. It's basically like straight bears, because a bear is like a hairy gay man, and a lumbersexual is sort of the bearded, flannel shirt-wearing straight <laughs> man. And I just love that word. So that's that's my one of my picks of the week. <laughs> just sort of just go find there. yourself a lumbersexual. <laughs> and this is just the word. Was I, Bob Vila like the original lumbersexual? <laughs> yeah, because I, I really feel like the Brooklyn version is just as well, likely to also have a top knot. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it veers a in bun, a different the direction. Bun, yeah. hate, the man bun's got to go. Um, and then my other pick of the week is a post that I read this week, which I thought was hysterical by a dad blogger. It's called 10 Reasons I Hate My Kid. (laughs) (laughs) Only 10? And it was um, truly hysterical, you know, and they're not really hating his kid. They're things like, because he's way cuter than I am, because he makes everything matter more. But it's very, very funny. And so we will post a link to that. That's so funny. That reminds me of the Adam Sandler used to have that skit of like things that little kids do that are cute, but when you're an old person and you do them, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that. Um, all right. So I had two picks of the week, too. Two bites of the week. Um, the first is since Memorial Day weekend is coming up and the sun is actually starting to come out and people are actually thinking about going to the beach is uh, EWG, the Environmental Working Group, has come out with their sunscreen list with all the chemicals and all their ratings. And it's an amazing list if you really care about being chemical-free or as chemical-free as possible with your sunscreen, particularly for your kids. It has an app, so you can just use it while you're in the store. You can look up the sunscreens and see what their rating is, and it'll tell you why they give you the rating. So you may not agree with the rating. You may be like, I'm okay with spray. We'll just hold our noses, whereas they're like no to all sprays. Um, Because they think you just inhale them and the particles get in your lungs. But it's a great, great list. And every year there are more, better, easier to apply, chemical-free sunscreens. So Mm -hmm. I highly recommend that list. And my other bite of the week is... That's your second sunscreen pick of the week. I know. I'm all about sunscreen (laughs) because I am 80 shades of pale. Um, So it was an article on Medium called Training for Discontent, the Double Speak of Parenting and the Double Blade of Ambition in Silicon Valley. And it was written by a mom who was a tech startup CEO who left her job to be, and she decided to take some time off and be a stay-at-home mom, and she volunteered at her son's middle school in Silicon Valley, public middle school, and not in her son's own class, because that's like, you know, she wanted to be the helicopter mom. She just thought she'd volunteer. And she was reading a book to this group of sixth graders, which was a really totally inappropriate book for sixth graders in terms of being too young. It was that Jamie Lee Curtis, like, I feel silly sometimes. Right. But she thought, like, yeah, this will be so goofy and it'll be a good way to, for them to start talking. And it unleashed this entire thing from these kids about how miserable they are, oh. how tired they are, how stressed out they are, and how much pressure is on them to get into elite schools from sixth grade on and how much their parents send them mixed messages. How they tell them want to be happy, but they don't, and how many kids were cutting themselves, and how many it was. And then she talked about the epidemic of suicide in this area, mm-hmm. um, and what has gone on so much that there's now safety patrols around certain train stations, train areas, and it's a really, really, really interesting article because she recognized in herself that as much as she thought she was supportive, whatever of her kid, that like 
there's that pressure. She and her husband went to Stanford. Like, it's just there. This pressure is just there. And these kids are so pressured to be find their one special thing. That's what she talks about and how horribly, horribly just this immense pressure on them that they're not like they're not in the training for the Olympics or not like it's a degree of elite whatever that is killing their kids um, and th- what the school system said about it and what other parents said about it. it was so it's such an interesting article it's really long because she delves into all those areas and she has no answers <laughs> um, except to try to knock down the homework list but I, that plus race to nowhere are like to I think watch race to nowhere read this article and then think about the mixed messages you send to your own kids mm. And what it all means. And that's it for this week. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites, B-Y-T-E-S, or on Twitter at Parenting underscore Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. Um, of course, on Play.it, you can find Parenting Bites plus all the other CBS podcasts. And on iTunes, rate us, review us, share us. 